It's time to have some big discussion with our middle school MUN participants for this year. Uh, we're taking some very big issues and trying to boil them down into some deeper understanding. Stay tuned for this episode of Zimplicity. Let's start with a little bit of introduction here. This is Model United Nations, and that's uh, M-U-N uh, for short. And Model United Nations is about providing an opportunity for students uh, around the world and in many regions at both the middle school and high school level uh, to do model uh, examples of a typical United Nations type approach to global issues. Um, so at the United Nations, over many years, they've developed a very comprehensive and complicated process for issues to make their ways through committees and ultimately, in some cases, to Security Council and eventually to the General Assembly of the Nations. Uh, for the purpose of Model United Nations, kids take on roles representing countries in some of these committees and ushering their country's beliefs for those issues through to proposals and ultimately actions at the General Assembly. Our model United Nations participants have taken on country roles and have also been assigned to committees to tackle a couple of key issues uh, that will be debated in those committees. Now this year we're not going to be able to uh, continue to Kiev uh, for our actual live model United Nations. We're hopeful for some virtual opportunities where kids from different schools representing different countries can debate some of these issues. But in the interim, uh, our kids have done an amazing amount of research into their issues and into their committees uh, to get ready for this event, even though it's not going to happen. And some of their learnings uh, we put out on the table this morning in our makeup session and decided to podcast a little bit of it. But first, let's get to know uh, who you're going to be hearing from by doing a quick round of introductions around the table. Uh, my name is Thomas. I'm in eighth grade. I'm representing Indonesia in disarming and demobilizing child soldiers. I am Mira, and I am in seventh grade, and I represent Iraq in disarming and demobilizing child soldiers and the escalating ethnic violence in Africa. I'm equally, and I'm in sixth grade. The, the country I'm in is Indonesia, and the community is environment. Um, my name is Zoe. I'm in grade six. My country is Iraq, and the community I'm in is improving rural water quality and sanitation. I'm Sophie, and I'm in grade six. I'm representing Indonesia.
Asia in Eco Education and Prevention of Child Exploitation. I'm Siyun and I'm in grade six and I am representing Indonesia in Equal Education and Prevention of Child Exploitation. I'm Ilias, I'm in sixth grade. I'm representing Human Rights Committee in Iraq. All right, this is the next episode of Zimplicity, and we're here with the Middle School Model United Nations group, uh, beginning one of our first discussions on the committee assignments and the country assignments. Our countries uh, that will be uh, debating at the table are Indonesia and Iraq, and we're very excited about that uh, makeup and how we can create a dynamic conversation. And so we're going to kick it all off with the first committee, which is our defense committee, right? So why don't you guys tell us about the committee and then uh, launch into the country you represent and what you've got on the table for you. Yeah. Uh, so our committee is Disarmament and International Security Committee. Um, and within that, it's disarming and demo demobilizing child soldiers and de-escalating ethnic violence in Africa. Um, so I did the country Indonesia. Um, I um, and some of the um, some of the main points I found um, is that um, uh, Indonesia has uh, a big issue to do with this, and the Indonesian military itself has been accused of killing civilians and other serious human rights violations in I don't know how to pronounce this, but Papua Papua New Guinea. Papua New Guinea. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um, since it became part of Indonesia in the early 1960s. Oh, okay, got it. Yeah, and most recently... Um, so almost 50 years ago. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So uh, most recently, Amnesty International said that, a report last year, um, that Indonesian, Indonesia's police and military are responsible for at least six, uh, 96 unlawful killings. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, it's um, it's a big issue, and anyone under the age of eighteen, um, oh sorry, yeah, under the international law, a child under the age of eighteen, and use of individuals under fifteen um, in conflicts is a war crime. Um, and so that's one of our key yeah. questions, right? Is about child disarmament, right? Yeah. Okay. So. So um, they've actually got real issues going yeah, on there. They've got real issues. <clears throat> And um, yeah, um, and the Associated Press reported on the 25th of June 2019 that the long simmering armed conflict between Indonesia's military and Papua New Guinea fighters involved teenagers, boys, um, uh, teenagers and boys who appear barely adolescent. That's wow. Yeah. Um, so young. Very young. Yeah. Very young. Um, And that's a long-standing historical, because we're really talking about 60, 70 years yeah. of this going on. It's got to be more of, of a different perspective from Iraq's point of view, right? So what, what's you, what are your insights into it from that country's position? Um, in Iraq, there is a problem of child soldiers. Child soldiers are mostly used by groups such as Al-Qaeda groups. They're assaulted there, and there's a lot of violence. 
and they're mostly used as young terrorists, and there, there's a lot of them in Iran. But that's more recent, too. That's like within the last 10 years versus 60 yeah. or 70, right? So this is like prevalent right now and in the depths of the country. What would be your country's positions in then dealing with this or tackling with this? Are they concerned about whether they can do anything in the case of yeah. a long-standing issue, or are they aggressive in terms of we want to deal with this and come out of this 10-year period of war? So based on solutions used in Iraq, that such as, for example, um, exchanging guns for things just food or bags that these children don't really have, and these things work, or taking children to care center, uh, centers for them. But a lot of them could become immigrants, and we also don't want them to go to uh, dangerous places. Got it. Okay, so it's kind of like protecting them from certain areas where they might be influenced or pulled into that and kind of looking at boundaries. How about from Indonesia's point of view? What would they, how, how do they want to tackle this long-standing issue? Um, I am, I'm not too sure, but I feel, um, I feel from my point of view, it's, a, it's an issue they should tackle right now and kind of push to get this issue out of the way instantly because... Um, the last vestiges yeah. of it, yeah. It's such a, yeah, it's very wrong having these um, these teenagers fighting, um, dying. Yeah. yeah. Anything else that you want to summarize from the from the defense and the security committee? What was the other issue besides the child disarmament? Uh, was, was it mines? Oh, yeah, de-escalating ethnic violence within Africa. So also very much, oh, in Africa, yeah. right? So where would these two countries, which are disparate from Africa, where would they weigh in on the African conflicts? Um, I'm not too sure because the other people that were meant to come, I think they were doing it. Okay. Um, yeah. But do you have a general sense? It's hard when it's a country that's so disparate. How about Iraq's point of view? I know what ethnic conflicts are happening in Iraq, but I don't really know how they affect African ethnic conflicts. Might be some similarities, though, because one of the things that does have a carryover there is certainly Muslim faith. Mm -hmm. And so from a religious point of view, there's still there certainly is a religious influence that would tie it more to Iraq Possibly even Indonesia, to a certain extent, although further distant away. Yeah. Okay, well, it'll be interesting to see how your other teammates kind of flesh that conversation out. Um, what's the next committee? This is economic, uh, right? No. No. Environment. environment, thank you. So environmental committee. So tell us a little bit about your issues on that committee and then go into your country allegiances. What have you got for us? Go ahead. So that's their population dynamic. 
Um, what's the issue that you have before you? So the Green City Initiative, right? And then the other one was? Uh, it's the Improving Rural Water Quality. Oh, the Rural Water Quality. Now that one's going to be particular to Indonesia, right? So that Because there's lots of issues with water and water sources there. So where does, where does Indonesia, let's focus Indonesia for a minute. Where does Indonesia land on these two issues? The Green City has got to be challenging for them because of population and big urban city centers, right? So going green would be harder for Indonesia. Is Indonesia embracing this at all? Or are they blissfully unaware of going green? Mm, like, uh, from Indonesia's point of view, it's like, the, like, like a lot of people like are helping. Mm. So they're getting a sense of it, yeah, right? And um, there were sixteen packages for the Green City Development Program in Indonesia too. Okay. And that was like a, like an action plan for it. Got it. So they are in, at least starting to embrace it. How about the water sources? Is that one that's more challenging for them? I mean, they're kind of like an island country, right? And so it's harder for them. What's their What's their current status on water and water sources, and particularly ur What was it? Urban water sources or rural? Uh, yeah. Ur no, urban, no, no. rural, rural. So out in the countryside, there's lots of countryside in Indonesia. What's it? What's their challenges there? Mm, like as my partner knows, like here the water area of Indonesia is 1.905 million, million kilometers. Okay. And I'm assuming square kilometers, right? Okay. And the water supply in, in Indonesia is, is, is really poor level of access and they Okay, so they've really got this problem then. Okay. And over 40 million people lack access to an in wow. improvement water sources and more than 10 and 110 million of the countries uh, countries and Two hundred forty million population has no access to improvement. To water improvement, wow, those are huge numbers. What should, what do you, what, what does Indonesia plan to do about that, mm. or do they have a plan? I don't really know because my partner. Right, understood. So it's one you're still investigating and developing. How about Iraq? Now, Iraq's, again, different situation. Coming out of 10-year yeah. war, it's got to have yeah. water-related issues, and certainly green cities as they recover from bombed-out places that are messed up. So what's, how are they doing? So Iraq is described to have poor water and service quality So because it's combining three decades of war and limited environmental awareness. So it has destroyed the water resources management system in Iraq. 
So currently 16% of households report daily problems with the water supply and 20% use unsafe water resources to drink or use water from. Uh-huh. So IRAF is dealing with two types of like big issues with their water quality. The first one is salinity. Okay. And the second So that's one, that's salt, getting yeah. the salt out, right? Okay. And the second one is water pollutants released in the water from industrial and agricultural activities. Got it. Okay. So the development of agriculture through the deep rates, I'm not sure. Uh, like the tube and Tigris, I'm not really sure. Oh, Euphrates and the Tigris. It's, like a, it's regions. Shed. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, it's creating a progressive the, yeah. increase in the salinity in many rivers in Iraq. And so Euphrates and Tigris are 98% of Iraq's surface water supply. Wow. So they, that, they're yeah. really reliant on that then. And it, they have big problems, so it's kind of affecting their depth. Yeah, when, when you get a water table and it gets infected by chemicals and that's your main water yeah, source, then like that becomes problem, a big yeah. issue. Yeah. So for, furthermore, because of the population growth and the poorly governed economic development, the loads of various contaminants are increasing. Of course, yeah. Population and does that. then I just have like more facts for you guys. What about solutions? What, really any positions? Into solutions? I think they tried to do something about it, but it didn't really work. And so they've got more so that yeah, they've got to continue so striving for. How about the Green City Initiative? Anything on... My partner did this. So she wrote that Iraq, Iraq faces serious environmental problems, ranging from poor water quality, soil salinity, air pollution, and conflict pollution to the... De Deterioration. Deterioration, yeah. Yeah, um, of key ecosystems, climate change impacts, and threat of water shortages. Yeah. So. Did you guys so catch that one conflict pollution? So that's leftover remains of war. It's uh, basically pollution associated with bombing, with uh, weapons with the chemicals associated with all of that, with moving of military forces, that's all chemical and, and conflict related. And mm -hmm. they can have devastating impact. Just from bombing, you know what the, one of the biggest issues is? It's the same as construction. Dust. Dust into the air with all kinds oh. of pollutants from the building materials that were involved. It's kind of like if... It, it, if you have a fire in a building, do you know what's most dangerous in this building if we have a fire? It's the materials that burn and create gases. Mm -hmm. So it's not the cement or the wood. It's all the plastics and all of the uh, fiberglass and all of the uh, wood fiber and glues and those kind of things. When they burn, the chemical pollution is intense. And so when you think about conflict and all of the bombing and fires and everything associated with it has a huge impact from a pollution point of view mm -hmm. of what it inserts into the environment because when these materials are like this all of that bad stuff is sealed into those materials and the minute you burn it it all gets released and that's when it becomes pollution mm -hmm. anything else from your committee in terms of positions or things that you think um, you guys are striving for what do you think you can find agreement on with other countries that would be obviously sitting at the table? Um.
Is there any one solution for green cities, for example? No, like we had much more facts about the water and what the problems are than yeah than the green cities. So. And that's interesting because when you think about it, you would tend to think it's green cities that would be the focus, but it's really not. Water is really the yeah, issue. There's so much involved in basic sustenance of life by having mm -hmm. decent water supply. Yeah. All right. Next committee. What do you guys got? People education and prevention of child exploitation. Got it. Okay. <laughs> so reach out over over the screens there and tell us uh, where you're at and what the issues are. I kind of have the script for this weekend. Go ahead. So um, before reading this article, as a background information and knowledge, we knew that Indonesia has had great success in bringing children into school and teaching them there, at least for the period of basic education, but it has made much less success in making sure that children receive the amount of information they need to get. And as introduction to the issues, we found out that a new study has claimed children and young people from Indonesia are not being provided with quality education because of Indonesia's domination of political, corporate, and economic societies in post-Suharto. Wow. Okay, so there's a lot of political dynamic going on yeah. here. Okay. We also observed some parties involved in this issue, which are children, affected families, offenders, organizations abusing the children, governments failing to prevent the issue, and organizations attempting to help. Okay. The first. Go ahead. The first party involved is the children who are exploited and taken away from their families in the process. Right. Many kids don't get paid, nor do their families. Children are direct are the direct victims of the cause and are one of the involved parties. Another one of the parties involved would be companies and people who use ch these children specifically for their yeah. own gain and does abuse them. Yeah. There's a lot of greed involved here. Yeah. I mean, that's the only reason behind child labor, right, is it's cheap. Yeah. <laughs> right? And if it's cheap, that means profits go up. And that means there's a lot of people profiting from that. Not just mm -hmm. those people, but also the people buying the products that are being made are profiting from that because they're spending less. Uh-huh. How about, how about your point of view? What did you, and this is which committee? The same. Same committee, but this is which country now? Iraq. This is Iraq. So what, what was Iraq's point of view on this? Mm. There are 152 million children worldwide who take part in child labor, making access to education and a bright future away from children. Economic exploitation and sexual exploitation are the two main parts mm -hmm. of child exploitation in Iraq. Mm -hmm. Children who are exploiting exploited are often taken away from their families. Many kids don't get paid nor their families. The children are the direct victims of the cause and are one of the involved parties. Iraq is aware 
of this problem in our country and we are starting to make efforts to set possible solutions like raising awareness, requiring reporting, indecent photos and videos records. Another idea is providing primary education to children, le leading to more job opportunities. Brilliant. All right. So that's our that's our committees. Now we don't have representation here today from security, right? And mm -hmm. and so some of these issues, obviously, particularly on the disarmament, would rise up to that security level conversation. In general, though, what are what are your takeaways from um, learning about the United Nations and the processes involved in these committees? What are some of the things that you're beginning to tease out in terms of the challenges that you face and um, also the kinds of things that you might um, expect from the UN in terms of guidance? I mean, one of the takeaways, obviously, is these are really complex issues. When you're being put on the spot, like, yeah, <laughs> and you need to really think hard and go back to your research and look at look at it and try and develop an answer. How about your chance of success for any issue or any proposals that you might make? Um, I've heard you talk about things like awareness, um, about uh, programs and involvement, about monetary resources. What is awareness, for example, if UN says we want to raise awareness of this issue, what does that hope to get? Uh, it hopes to get more people involved, more people to realize that this issue is not something to cut off. So it, it's about getting people to take action, yeah. right? Yeah. And, and hoping that when they become aware of something, they'll actually press for change. Mm -hmm. There's a very emotional yeah. quality to it. And then it's governed by cultural predispositions, right? Like each of these cultures, and you, for you guys, the challenge here is like understanding Indonesian culture and understanding Iraqi culture and understanding the dynamics of what would be involved in those countries mm -hmm. and getting it to come about. What's your sense of that? How, how challenging is it in Iraq, for example, to get those ideas uh, in play? Like, as you said, if you raise awareness, like it's to kind of like spread the issue and like for people to make make actions mm -hmm. but it says like the specifics of child exploitation are known it's actually known people know knows about it but it's like there's nothing like, they're still much. taking advantage of it yeah right mm -hmm. so that one's it's less about awareness and more about what laws can we get in place how can we control these people and then it's not just about the law what's the thing that comes after the law enforcement I mean even as people your age do you have a sense that there are some laws on the books but people don't do a really good job of following them yeah. <laughs> right and so it's not just about getting the law on the books I think the laws are probably actually already on the books relative to child exploitation but the reality is getting people to enforce it, getting police officers to go into factories mm -hmm. and, and getting people to actually put the manpower behind you know, releasing children from factories and, and mills and places where they're forced to work. And, the, and, the, and you brought up the, um, the sex trade too in Iraq and that's a huge issue right now in terms of um, 
actually trafficking people across borders, yeah. right? For what we would consider highly inappropriate stuff. Yeah. What else are, are your takeaways on, on just these issues at play? Any other thoughts on, on kind of what you would face and whether, as you study this, do you begin to build an affinity for this issue? Does this issue rise to the level of saying, yeah, this is something I really want to get involved in, I may want to do more with? Yeah, it kind of brings awareness to us, like learning about it and researching about it. It like teaches us more about it so we can also kind of be aware of it mm -hmm. and take actions mm -hmm. and start like kind of changing our lifestyle, I guess. Mm -hmm. like, there's um, an interesting discussion in the background that's been going on, and I've had it at every school that I've been at, and that is the potential of taking Model United Nations and turning it into a class, that it's actually a semester or year-long class where you'd really go deep on all of the different issues yeah. in all of the different countries. It's almost like a social studies class in that it's about deep involvement. What would you think of the potential of taking that class as an elective um, up against robotics and everything else that you have choices in. Would Model United Nations be one that would draw you? And uh, yeah, I think I would definitely do it because uh, at the moment I'm doing yearbook. Yeah. So I think um, like that would be given those two one. choices, yeah, that would be one that'd be very competitive. Yeah, because a yearbook, the yearbook class is year yearly. Yeah. So if you do maybe half yearbook, then half annual. There you that go. Would, that would be. Oh, that could be cool. Okay. But as a class, yeah. could yeah. you see it as a class? Yeah. Would it be exciting? Would it be something that would engage you? Yeah, yeah I guess. Yeah. Yeah. There are other schools that do, and certainly we've talked about it, and, uh, and there's some interest in that topic just because of the global impact mm -hmm. of some of the things that come out of it. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, thank you very much, Model United Nations Group. Don't go anywhere yet, but uh, I want to appreciate your time and uh, talking with us a bit about the issues that you're going to be facing in Model United Nations. And even though we're not going now, uh, the potential that we're still going to do this in a virtual conference format, I'm excited by the content you've put together and what you've, what you've done. As you can see, this is a unique opportunity for these kids to take on real-life issues that are affecting uh, different countries and different groups of people around the globe. Uh, their deep insight into these issues becomes the fodder for uh, carefully planted seeds that will germinate and prepare these kids to take on these issues in real life uh, once they graduate from high school and move on to college and beyond. Uh, Model United Nations is one of those things that is really powerful in the sense in and the way in which it inspires this kind of deep thinking about issues that really matter. Uh, so I appreciate their attention and their diligence in preparing for uh, their presentations and for the work that they'll continue to do through the rest of this season. That's it for this episode of Zimplicity. <laughs>